Hello, hello, hello. Awesome worship, right? <laughs> so if you guys weren't here when I introduced myself, I'm Aiden Handel. I'm the assistant pastor here at Hope Center Church. Um, I'm glad to have you, glad to see you, glad you're here. Um, if you guys know me, what do I do before I preach? Anyone could tell me? I pray. And the reason why I pray is I believe that at the very beginning, it's important to set the foundation for the Lord to use me. Uh, many times I could get caught in this sense of pride or wanting to be glorified, and that's the last thing I want. And so this is just a time for me to just kind of ask the Lord that it would all be for him and not for me. And so let's just pray. Father, I pray, Father, that you would use me as your mouthpiece, Lord, but that you would be glorified, Lord. I don't want any of it. I don't want any of the tension, any of the focus, Lord. I just want you to be glorified, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would humble me before you, Lord, that you would use me, and that you would be the water to the seeds that are planted today, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, and I pray, Lord, that they would open their hearts to listen and learn and change their lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I'm a little nervous, and I'll tell you why. So I have my wife here, and... Um, I'm going to be a dad, and so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be a dad, so I'm excited for that. I also have my mom and dad here, and so if you see him right here in the front, and you're like, where did Aiden get his good looks? There you go. Um, I actually, I added the, the better looks by myself. Um, and then I also have a, a brother, Josh. Um, he's my spiritual brother, and so he got to come here and see me today, and Laurel from Billings House of Prayer. And I think that's it. And so I'm a little nervous, but it's going to be good. And so are you guys ready to get into it? Awesome. And so the title of today's message are, is The Impossible Walls That Crumble. The Impossible Walls That Crumble. And so you're probably asking yourself, Aiden, that makes no sense. How can impossible walls crumble? Um, I'm a little too artsy, I guess. I'm just kidding. Um, but I made this title because I believe that in this um, preaching that you're going to learn aspects uh, that you can add to your life so that the battles that you face and that the, uh, the walls that you face in your life can actually come down. And so in our life, we have these battles that feel almost impossible to survive, to thrive in, and even to move past. When these battles of impossibility hit, it also seems that there's an impossibility that God is there with us. But I'm here to prove to you, and also to myself, that we are in fact wrong, and are simply in need of a new strategy and mindset to move us towards victory, no matter the difficulty of the battle. I believe that this key to this new strategy and mindset is found in the story of the walls of Jericho being brought down by the Israelites. And I know that this story is often used in Sunday school and it's a basic story, but I believe that once you go deep within it, there's actually a deep um, lesson to be learned. And we're going to explore that today. You guys ready? Awesome. So in Joshua 5, 13 through 15, Joshua 5, 13 through 15, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, 
he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? What message does he have, does the Lord have for his servant? And so from the very beginning, we get a mindset shift to implement within our own lives. We must change our mindset from the idea that you think the battle is yours and shift it to the battle has always been the Lord's. So I'll say that again. Change your mindset that the battle you face is yours and shift it to the battle has always been the Lord's. Joshua had every right to believe that the battle was his. He was chosen by God to lead the Israelites into this battle. So why wouldn't he believe that by his own will he would conquer Jericho? But something important to realize is Joshua did not mistake his calling for his ability to fight his own battles. He knew that from the very beginning that the battle was the Lord's. By his response to kneel before the angel and ask, what message does my Lord have for his servant? As we go through battles in our life, we must realize that these battles aren't ours to own. It's the Lord's to own. And many times we can want to take on battles ourselves when the battle was never ours to fight. So I recently went to, to Jerusalem and in Israel, and it was an awesome experience. I got to go to places where Jesus was, and so it was, it was amazing. Um, the only thing was the entrance. The entrance was the worst part for me, and I'll tell you why. So I was at Israel. We had just gotten off the plane, and now we're at the border. And um, if you guys didn't know, I'm a secret agent, and I have a different name. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but my first name isn't Aiden. My first name is actually Yasir. And so uh, that comes from the Middle East, and I thought it was Jewish. Uh, but as you'll soon find out, uh, it wasn't. And so I was at the border. We're with, like, 40 college kids, and we're here in line, and we're all waiting and we're giving our passport, you know, one person after another, just giving their passport. Finally, it gets to me. My wife had just gotten to the other side. I was on the, on the other side of the border. And so um, I gave my passport, and they're like, nope. And I was like, what? <laughs> they're like, nope, you're going to go sit over there and get asked questions. I was getting ready to get interrogated by the people of Israel. And I'll tell you why this was hard for me. It was because before I had went to Israel, I had told myself that this wasn't just about going to places in the Bible, it was actually learning more about my heritage. So my family's from Bethlehem, and so I was able to go to, to Israel, the first out of my family, and, and so I was excited to learn more about my heritage. It wasn't just about the places in the Bible. And out of 40 people, I was the one that got pulled out, the only one to get pulled out of 40 people. And so you can imagine I'm sitting there, and I was sitting there for an hour and 30 minutes, just getting ready to get asked. I wasn't even getting asked yet. And so I'm waiting there, and I'm in my mind having this battle with God. And I'm like, okay, like, 
out of all these kids, and these kids were like pretty wealthy kids from wealthy families, and we just got there by scholarship. And so we barely got there. And so I'm like, you know, these kids went here, and they afford it, but I can't afford it. And so I'm telling the Lord, like, I came here so I would learn more about my heritage, and I'm the only one out of all these kids to get pulled out. Why, Lord? Why would you do this to me out of all these people? On top of that, I've struggled in my life with rejection, and now I was getting rejection by my own people. And so I was frustrated. I was mad. And so I'm waiting there for an hour and 30 minutes, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. There was this Jewish man that looked like the Hulk. Like, he was ginormous, and he was walking around, and he, he came up to me. He was like, all right, ready. Let's go over here. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get deported. And so I'm at the Border Patrol, and now they have me in this little tiny room. And it's what you would imagine in, like, uh, when people go to jail and there's, like, a, a glass between the two people. That's how it was. There's a glass between the two people. I'm guessing because people probably get mad and they probably try to punch the guy, which I wanted to, but I didn't. And so I was in front of this guy, and he's asking me everything about my family. He's asking me where my mom's from, where my dad's from, where their families are from, where's my grandpa from, where are their jobs, what is my wife's job, what's my job. They're just asking every single question. And then at one moment, he asked me, uh, what do I do for a living? And so I say, I'm a pastor at a Christian church. And he's like, oh, okay. And he gets mad, like so upset that he's yelling in my face, and he's like, Muslim churches, Jewish churches, Christian churches, what do you mean you work at a Christian church? And I'm like, I work at a Christian church. I don't know what you want me to tell you. I'm a pastor at a Christian church. And so, but in my heart, it was like a fire. Like I was raging. I was mad. And it wasn't that I was mad at him. I was mad at the Lord for giving me in this situation. And so I was so upset. And after that, that interaction where he, he's saying about um, the churches and stuff, he asked me for my phone. He asked me to open my phone and pass it to him so that he could look through it to see if I was on the Palestinian side or the Arabic side. And so already I'm mad. Finally, I get out, and I'm walking to um, the leader of the, the group that I was in, and so she stayed behind so that she could be with me if I did get deported. And so I walk out, and this guy looks to his friends and starts making fun of me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I just got so mad. I got so mad. And I just looked back at him. I was like, really? Like, you put me through all this, and now you're laughing with your friends about me. And so I'm mad. I'm going through. I finally get through on the other side. I'm with this uh, leader. And we're getting a taxi so that we can meet everyone else because everyone else was at the beach. And I was in the interrogation room. And so I was asking the Lord, Lord, come on. Like, there better be a jacuzzi in my hotel because <laughs> I'm out on the beach. Um, and so we're going on the taxi. And I'm on one side. The lady's asking me questions, like, to, to just make the, the moment a little less tense. And I'm tense. And so I'm just giving her half question, uh, half answers. And so I'm looking outside, and um, I couldn't even take in Israel. Like, I was driving through it, but I, it just didn't hit me in any single way because of what had happened. And I remember I was on this uh, car 
thinking all these things to the Lord, getting mad in my heart. I was mad. I was just mad at the whole situation. And I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, really, why me? Why did you take me out? Why would you put me through that? My wife even got through the other side, and I did it. Like, why would you get me through this? Why would you put me through this? And I remember that in that moment, I felt the Lord say, I went through it first. He told me that he had been rejection by his, rejected by his own people first. And what I realized with the battle that I thought was mine was not mine. It was the Lord's. And so the rejection that I thought I was facing, Jesus had faced it already. The pain that I was feeling emotionally, Jesus had faced it already. And so this battle that I was going on in my mind and my heart was instantly taken away when I realized that my Savior had went through it first. I need you to realize that your battles are not yours to win. It's the Lord's to win. And guess what? The Lord always wins. In Joshua 6, 1 through 5, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites, so that no one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have declared Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. Everyone straight in. And so this passage has a lot of details, a lot of little details that the Lord put in place. But what I'm going to show you is the strategy of victory within these little scriptures and the change of mindset that you could put into your own life in your battles. So in verse 3 of the passage, the Lord says to march around the city of Jericho for six days with armed men. The interesting thing about this is later on in verse 8, Joshua tells the armed man to not give a war cry or even raise their voices until Joshua gave the word. And in verse 9, we learn that the armed men for the six days were simply supposed to sound off the trumpets. Remember, these soldiers were armed. They had weapons to declare war against Jericho. But instead, the Lord had them sound off a trumpet. For the first six days. And that sounds really ridiculous that the Lord would have these soldiers with weapons start singing songs. I mean, imagine the U.S. Army going into battle and start singing songs with trumpets. Like the enemies would just laugh, right? And so the Lord has them do this. And um, instead of these weapons, they're just sounding off instruments. And I can't help but ask, Lord, what are you doing? Like, why wouldn't you just allow them to have the best weapons in the world at the time? Like, why didn't you give them a bazooka early and just have, you know, take it by force? But the Lord said, I want you to do trumpets. I want you to sound off trumpets. And so what makes these trumpets so significant that these soldiers were holding? I'll tell you why. So these trumpets weren't just any trumpets. They were a trumpet of celebration, the trumpets blown while the 
walked around the city of Jericho was an instrument of jubilee, often used in festivals or in temple orchestras, but it was also used when there was a victory. The Lord had the soldiers not use their earthly weapons of war in replacement of the sound of victory. Why? I believe that it's because the victory had been the the victory had already been won before it even started. I believe that because the victory had already been won before it started. And so the Lord was making a declaration without saying any words. By having the trumpets go off at the very beginning, he was saying, the victory is already mine. And so I want everyone to say this with me. I'm going to read it, and then you read it after, because first service had a little hard time getting the rhythm. And so I'll read it, and then you'll read it. Uh, repeat after me. I go into battle, not for victory, but in victory. With the, Lord. with the Lord. Let's say it one more time. I go into battle, not for victory, but in victory with the Lord. And so in my life, I'll tell you how this happened with me, how I learned the strategy of victory. Growing up, I struggled with pornography. And pornography had been something that was always something that was on me, that felt like it was suffocating me. And so I could tell you plenty of times where I didn't tell my wife about my struggle because I thought that I could get the victory myself. And so I would implement all these things. I would tell myself, I can make it 30 days without doing anything. I could do this. I could do that. And I was trying to get this victory over pornography myself. I tried to do it all myself. I didn't want my wife involved. I didn't want God involved because I thought I could do it myself. But the minute, the minute I realized that I was claiming my own victory and I wasn't claiming the Lord's victory, I realized why I kept losing. I realized why I kept falling. I realized why I kept feeling defeated. And I can't explain how many times in battle you will feel defeated. You're going to feel like you lost. You're going to feel as though you did something wrong. But I have to tell you, if you're going in the battle with the Lord, no matter what you feel, the victory has already been won. Does that make sense? The victory has already been won. And so you could go through battle and you could go through all these emotions. You could feel as though everything is going wrong. But because you have the Lord that ensures you the, the victory that the Israelites had when they took down the walls of Jericho, you have a victory already. And I believe that this is significant because if you go around believing that you already have the victory in every single battle you go in, how do you think that will change your mindset? How do you think that will change your life knowing that you have the victory already? You lost someone, you, you have a disease, whatever it might be. If you have the Lord, you're insured a victory. In Joshua 6, 3-4, it says, March around the city with all the armed men, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. And verse 3 and 4, it talks about how there's seven priests with seven trumpets in front of the ark. 
and the Israelites were to walk around Jericho seven times. And this might sound unimportant to you, but there's a deep significance to this. In the Jewish belief, numbers have a deep significance. Every single number has this this certain description, whether it's about God or it's about life. But the number seven in specific is used to mean completeness, is mean It's used to mean wholesomeness, and it's also used to mean holiness or sanctification, which means to be set apart. So let me put this together then. Now you know what the number seven means. Let me read this again, or let me explain this. The Lord had set seven priests to be ahead of the Ark of the Covenant in battle. The Lord was setting the Israelites apart from their enemies By having the priests, the ones who were meant to be in the temples, the ones who weren't even supposed to be near something dead, and the ones who were supposed to be the mediators of God in the midst of battle. Along with this, they carried seven trumpets, a sign of completion, again a sign that the victory had already been won, and finally seven days, a sign of holiness, that the Lord was with the Israelite army in their midst, and that the battle would have been completed with the Lord. So why would I say this? Why would I talk about this number seven, this wholesomeness, this completeness being set set apart? Well, to be honest with you, I believe Christians too often carry a defeated mindset on their shoulders and not the mindset that the king of kings and the Lord of lords rest upon them just as the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant with them. And so a mindset shift for you today is to change. I will carry defeat with me to I will carry the number, the meaning of the number seven with me to be complete, to be whole and set apart by the Lord. When you realize that you are already complete, when you already when you realize you are already set apart because you have the Lord, it becomes a lot easier when you when you feel rejection or when you feel like you're getting set apart. Something that the Lord showed me just this morning when I was practicing this is that the Lord is in constant jubilee, constant jubilee. He's constantly winning. And what this means is that when we feel like we're losing, often we associate it that the Lord is losing. Or when we feel like we're losing, we think that the Lord is feeling the loss too. Like, oh, pueblocito, like you need help. Uh, The vit. The victory has already been won by the Lord. Why would he get ashamed? Why would he feel the defeat? You need to realize that the Lord never loses. And so we think that the Lord loses when we lose when the Lord isn't losing. And so when we feel defeated, again, the Lord isn't defeated. When we feel defeated, the Lord feels victory. When we are in this emotional trash can, the Lord is over here having a party like, you won. Like, what are you doing? Like, let's go and dance, you know? The Lord is in constant jubilee. He's constantly winning. And so why do we think that we're defeated when we have the Lord? And I, I, wanna, I want you to understand, yes, it's going to feel like you lost, but you have to remember that you have not lost when the Lord is already winning and has already won. In Joshua 6, 4 through 5, It says, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. 
when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. In this verse, it talks about the Ark of the Covenant, which in biblical times was the presence of God in the midst of his people. But again, it talks about priests, the, the mediators of the Lord who would carry the presence of God into the battle of Jericho. It's important to note that God called the priest to carry his presence into the battle of Jericho. Someone had to carry the presence. If you are a believer that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that he entrusted you with important, he has entrusted you with important task that only you can decide within the midst of your battles. Will you take his presence just as the pr- priest did in the midst of your battles, or will you decide to do it in your own strength? You see, another strategy of victory is who or what you take into battle will determine its outcome. But the Lord will always ensure victory. Who or what you take into battle will determine its outcome, but the Lord will always ensure victory. And so you're probably asking, Aiden, but if I take bitterness into battle, will I still win? No. Uh, Aiden, if I take uh, unforgiveness into battle, will I still win? No. Oh, Aiden, if I take my husband and wife into battle, will I always win? No. (laughs) The reality is, is that we put things in place to be represented in our battles that isn't the Lord. We put bitterness in place of the presence. We put unforgiveness in place of the presence. And so what we carry into battle, the message that's being sent is no longer the Lord. It's whatever you're taking into the battle. So, if you want a good outcome and you want the victory, who should you take into battle? The Lord. Because the Lord always communicates battle to his people. I mean battle, (laughs) victory to his people. (laughs) Don't go causing battles out there. Um, After all these pieces have been in place, the Israelites were now on the seventh day in Joshua 6.20. And it says this. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. And so everyone charged in, and they took the city. So I would encourage you to take these things into your battles. I'll leave you with this. Change your mindset that the battle you face is yours and shift it to the battle has always been the Lord's. Tell yourself I go into battle not for victory, but in victory with the Lord. Change, I will carry defeat with me to I will carry the meaning of the number seven with me to be complete, whole, and set apart by the Lord. And remember this, who or what you take into battle will determine its outcome, but the Lord will always ensure victory. And last but least last but not least i'll tell you this and i want you to really write this down if you're taking notes all right this will sum everything up the impossible walls and battles in our lives are meant to be broken by the god of impossibility i'll say it again the impossible walls and battles in our lives are meant to be broken by the god 
of impossibility. What's impossible to you, what feels impossible to you, is not impossible to the Father and the Savior of the world. Can I get amen? amen. And so, in this, after the, the walls had crumbled down, you can imagine there is a victory, there is a jubilee, there is a celebration that they just won. They won without, without even touching the wall. And at the time, um, Jericho was known as being the impenetrable walls of this time period, that they couldn't be beaten. And the Lord had just defeated their army without touching it. So, <laughs> last surface is really funny, but I have this song for you. It's called Dance Like David Dance, all right? And the reason why I like this song is because it's very joyful. It's, a, it's like a celebration song. And so I'm going to put this song on, um, and I expect that you guys stand up, that you clap, that you dance, because what? I, like I told you, the victory is yours already. And so we should be in constant state of celebration. And so um, let me just pray, and then we're going to put this song on. And if you need a little help, I'll give you a little dance thing so that you guys aren't, like, kind of freaking out. And so let me pray. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are good, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are the thing we need to have victory, Lord, and that you are not impossible to get. I thank you, Lord, that you set us apart, that you make us whole, that you make us completed, Lord. And I pray that each brother and sister here today would take this with them, that the Lord is the key to victory that the battles that feel impossible to them, the walls that feel impossible to them, crumble at the feet of the impossible God. And so I pray, Father, that you would do your will in their lives, Lord. In this moment, if there's anyone that wants to accept the Lord, as Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, or if you're rededicating your life to Jesus, I just ask that you lift up your hand, um, and I, I can see you. So in this moment, if you want to just rededicate your life or dedicate your life to Jesus, raise your hand. And brothers and sisters, I want you to just um, intercede for them. And so I'm going to pray this prayer for them. And um, anyone who raised their hands, just say it in your heart or out loud. It's really up to you. Lord, I dedicate my life to you. You are my Savior. You are my my safe place, I pray that from this moment on, my life would not be the same, that I would not, leave a, I would not live a defeated life in this world, but I would live a victorious life with you, Jesus. I give you my all. I give you my heart, my soul, my mind. I give you my everything. May my life be dedicated to you. Amen. And so we're going to play the song, and I'll stay up here so I can show you a little move. <laughs> okay, I'll sing the song. No, I'm just kidding. No, I won't. <laughs> can you turn it up a little bit, if that's okay? Say, ready? One. Two, one, two. 
will dance, I will dance, I will dance like David danced. Hello, hello. I want you to remember, you're declaring victory. This is a celebration. I want you to dance. Come on, do a little louder. You have the victory with the Lord. Your battles have already been won. We need to celebrate. You need to have fun. You need to enjoy life because the Lord has won. So remember, live life in victory because the, one, the Lord has won. And so I just pray for you today that you would leave here remembering that, that you would celebrate the victory that the Lord has won.